this is PSU Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Um, Shelby, yeah, uh, I think that I should be the king. Uh, <laughs> I know that I've been <laughs> locked in a prison and yeah. it was my wedding that all of my family members were murdered at. But if you could just like let me be the king, that'd be great. I think that's a joke that goes over my head as someone who didn't watch the entire show. This is going to be rough sailing. <laughs> but it's okay, because we're here, and we are ready to talk about Game of Thrones. Season 8, the final season, only yeah. six episodes long. <laughs> and I am not sure that I have ever watched a television show crash and burn <laughs> so quickly with their fans. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was it was a pretty interesting experience. I mean, first of all, Hot Off the Presses is like two episodes ago, people started a campaign to like have HBO redo season eight, which I think is just a huge, entitled, annoying, spoiled little thing to do. <laughs> but it speaks to this like issue, which is that these fans have hated this this season, like truly despised it i mean i didn't like sign the petition i'm not like running around (laughs) trying to get people to be involved in it but i can see the point where this isn't something i feel like where the director always had an artistic vision and the people who were watching the show just like didn't get it or didn't agree with it and are upset that it wasn't the ending that they wanted i think that what's going on here is that the people who were making the show were like objectively lazy and wanted to finish it and rush to get it over with. And the fans are saying, look, we, the story here is great. We, we love this story. We love these characters. Like just redo this and spend more time on it to get it done. Spend another right. $90 million on it. But that's like, I mean, I don't know. Like imagine the internet is just such a different thing now. But imagine starting that petition for Lost. It's like, it doesn't make sense. Like, they created it, they get to end it. But the thing with Lost is that it's... I mean, Lost, it's a whole nother can of worms that I don't really want to get into <laughs> because the show and the concept right. was the creation of the people who you know, we're making the show. It wasn't adapted from a book. It wasn't taken from any other place. Like, mm-hmm. I personally think that they were trying to make it purgatory and then people on the internet caught on to that it was purgatory and then they changed their mind a bunch of times to try to make up with that and it screwed up <laughs> the last couple take. seasons. Yeah, interesting. But, but Game of Thrones, like, had an ending. It's based on these books that were really well done. George R. R. Martin isn't going to finish the books, probably, because he's going to die before they get <laughs> out. And it's very complicated. But it's like, it's a story that you feel like has a solid end to it. And these and characters that were built in a certain way to have a certain amount of, like, to have certain characteristics and certain feelings. And then these last two seasons have basically just been like, okay, we need to get to these plot points. We don't care if the characters don't act like the characters. <laughs> We don't care if the story doesn't make sense. We just need to finish this because we want to make a Star Wars movie. <laughs> oh, man. So much to think about, even just like five minutes into this episode. I see your point, but I guess I I think we should, you know, let's let's take a beat. So you've watched the show. Okay. You've read the books. What, yes. what came first? How so I... Before? Yeah, I started watching the show, I think, around season three. So I okay. watched those seasons and then and it and the show wasn't caught up to the books yet. So then I read yeah. the books through the all five of them that were out, thinking that the sixth book would probably be out at some point before, you know, the show ended. Because this right. was several years ago, like maybe four or five years ago that I read the books. The sixth book still isn't out. The seventh book, you know, will never make an appearance, (laughs) even if the sixth one does squeak out before George R. R. Martin died. (laughs) So then I've just been watching the show. And like a lot of other people who have read the books, like the show slowly caught up to the books. It started getting into some material that hadn't been on the, that hadn't been in the books and kind of like changing things. And then for these last two seasons, it's been like fully beyond anything that's been written in the books to date. And that's like when the decline happened for you or 
were you a fan of season seven? So my thinking on this is that the first six seasons are all 10 episodes. They're full length seasons. And it came out around at some point, like mid season six after season six, that there was only going to be one more season that season seven was going to be the last season, but that they were going to split it up into two seasons, sort of like they'd done to (laughs) Mad Men or the Sopranos. It's like a weird thing that I don't understand why they do it, but it's kind of like two shorter seasons instead of one longer season. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that anybody thought that that was strange because they didn't really know what was coming in the like in the lineup they thought okay you know maybe you can wrap it up in two seasons and so i think people were on board with that and it came out that one season was going to be seven episodes one season was going to be six episodes (laughs) and again i was fine with that but there was grumblings that like hbo wanted to do more that they were like we think we have story for more we could do at least two more full seasons maybe a third full season so instead of just 13 more episodes like 30 more episodes of the show and that the showrunners were like no we think we can finish it in uh these last you know couple episodes maybe the episodes will have a little bit longer runtime, but we think we can get it covered right well then i think as people were watching, as I was watching season seven, about halfway through, you started realizing like, this is moving a little bit fast. <laughs> like these characters are like flying all over the map. They There's not a lot of like time to really yeah. dwell on anything. They're like moving too quickly. And so season seven, especially the last couple episodes, I don't think people were a huge fan of. But, you know, there were parts of earlier seasons that people hadn't have been a huge fan of either. So I, I think people were, were fairly forgiving and we're excited for season eight and excited at where things went and then season eight which is even shorter (laughs) comes out of the gate with all of these characters doing things that the fans are like this person would never do this this is an action that they would not do based on seven previous seasons of how they behave and it really felt like oh they're just like George R. R. Martin gave the the showrunners, Benioff and Weiss, like the plot points. And they're like, okay, we got to hit these plot points. But we also don't want to make any more seasons of this right. because it takes a lot of time and effort to make this show. And they've been doing it for like 10 years now. And they yeah. want to be doing something else, which is understandable. But if you don't <laughs> want to be doing this and you feel like the story is going to take more time than this. I don't understand why you don't just like say, okay, well, we're going to bow out. Somebody else can make the last two seasons Mm -hmm. or something. But instead they tried to rush it to finish this (laughs) because initially they wanted Benioff and Weiss wanted to do this weird show about the Confederate States of America that everyone was like, "Uh, nobody wants this. (laughs) So that got canceled. Now they're on this star Wars project, but I sort of feel like everybody who is a star Wars fan is like looking, at them directing that and being like I don't know if that's what we want (laughs) yeah which is sort of sad that their legacy has sort of been tainted by this last season because they were considered like some of the great this is a very well received show like this has won uh, it's been the most awarded like drama series at the Emmys it's won like over 45 awards I think and a lot of that is thanks to them. And obviously like George R.R. R. Martin, but they were still the writers, you know, they were still the directors or producers or whatever their main title is. And so it is sort of sad to see people immediately say they can't do Star Wars because it seems to discredit the fact that they have been at this highly successful show for for a decade. And like that's coming from someone who doesn't even like this show. So I don't know. I guess I just I would hope they could learn from their mistakes and hopefully be the best version of themselves. I I would not be surprised if they got their Star Wars movie taken away from them. There have been multiple oh. people who have been given a Star Wars movie and had it yeah. snatched out of their fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Namely, Brian Trevorrow, the right, director right. of Jurassic World. <laughs> so, well, so my experience with Game of Thrones, just to get that out of the way. Yeah. I Never really watched it. I'd always heard of it because obviously I'm like on social media. I stay involved in a lot of pop culture that I have no business caring about. And so I've like always been aware of certain plot points. And like I've seen random episodes like I saw The Red Wedding and The Battle of the Bastards. But it's just not my cup of tea. We've talked about how I don't love violence. And I also know 
my first like introduction to the show is like, oh, there's a ton of sex. There's a ton of rape. There's a ton of like mistreatment of women in this show because it did focus a lot or have a lot more scenes like that in the first and second seasons, which was a lot of the yes. cultural criticism of it. And so I was just like, this isn't really my brand, but my husband <laughs> loves it. And so last, I guess it was two years ago when season seven was out. I would go to like watching parties with him. And so I ended up watching the whole season seven. And then obviously he wanted to watch season eight. I knew I'd be doing this episode. So I watched all of season eight too. So I did go back and watch very long (laughs) YouTube summaries of each of the previous seasons. (laughs) So (laughs) I could kind of get a grasp of, of what some of the characters have been through, but I knew it wouldn't really work for me. And I think this season sort of highlighted um, maybe why I didn't like the show or didn't think I'd like the show is because of the way they handled their female characters, which a lot of people kept on trying to tell me like, oh, but you know, Danny, she's great. Oh my gosh, Sansa is amazing. Arya has a totally sick storyline. But the thing that was most interesting for me to watch as sort of a, a bystanding fan, I guess, was just to see how the creators sort of like pivoted around these characters that their fans have grown to love and like really respect. And yeah, they just suddenly started making choices that made zero narrative sense based on who they were and who they've been talking themselves up to be. So it was kind of a kind of a messy season, but a very, a very fun one to kind of watch and see unfold in a sad way. Yeah, the the female angle on this show and on this season I think is very interesting and it it sort of sucks that the only seasons that you've seen of the show (laughs) are what I would consider objectively the worst two but you know it starts with like a very traditional landscape of you know medieval fantasy where you have these knights and you have and the women are primarily like daughters or queens or you know running around in fancy gowns and like not really doing anything and you see slowly through the season that these women are actually a lot stronger than you think they are they're a lot smarter than you think they are that these men are buffoons and idiots and (laughs) arrogant and missing things along the way and that and that the men slowly like kind of get picked off by the women to the point where they have like a marketing campaign around season five or six, where it's like, you know, the entertainment weekly cover is just like all of the women of game of Thrones. It's Arya and Cersei and Daenerys and Sansa and Marjorie and the sand snakes, just like, and Yara Greyjoy and Masonic. There's so many strong women characters on the show. And I think that what people thought would, would happen is like, Oh, these strong women are like, just going to continue and then in the end it's you know going to be like one strong woman versus another strong woman and and right. not really like i mean the, there's obviously male characters and they're important but like it's going to be the clash of the queens kind of thing right. and yet somehow in this last <laughs> season they like systematically undermined like every single strong yes. female oh. character that they had written it was wild it's like one after another, you can just kind of go through them as they're sort of like all of their power is taken away and given yeah. over to the male characters. Yeah. And part of this, I think, is that George R. R. Martin is a really good writer. And so when you're not working off of like his text and you're just kind of like right. going with the plot points, it's not as nuanced. But I also think pr- part of the problem is, is that it's abbreviated. So there's not this time to dwell on the characters and their choices. So you're not seeing mm-hmm. them as people so much as just like plot moves. Right. And also Benioff and Weiss in previous seasons have had bigger writers rooms where there's oh, more yeah. people involved in telling the story. But the thing is with only six episodes, they wrote the last four episodes themselves which i think (laughs) you know you can you you can objectively look yeah you can look (laughs) at them and like the first two episodes are definitely the most well-liked episodes of the season very funny yeah and 
And then because of that, the writer's room is just the two of them and the two guys who wrote the first two episodes. So that's only four <laughs> people. And and if you're not having a lot of people vet your stuff and it's all yeah. men and you're like, we're really smart, we're the showrunners, we are successful, <laughs> and it goes to your head, you end up thinking that you're doing a lot better job than you are. And they just made like a ton of blundering missteps along the yeah. way. Well, I mean, they've historically, they've like only had one female writer the entire series they've only had one like season two yeah yeah (laughs) so it's like they don't have a great track record with women which is why i was always like why is everyone pretending this is like has strong women and cool women and i saw it like i saw glimpses of it i got it like the last couple seasons i've watched like i really did enjoy like danny and sansa and everyone but but it was just like crazy and very frustrating even as a like non-fan to see what they did to these characters because they just became second tier to some of these lame ass dudes. And it's not like all the same thing that they're doing. Right. It's like they're making different mistakes with all of the female yeah. characters <laughs> where you have Jamie or um, Brienne, who's been this really yeah. strong woman who is a knight and, oh, you know, has very strong values. And I think the audience always sort of wanted her and Jamie to get together because right. Jamie's this bad character and Brianna just like has so many morals that she kind of makes Jamie better but what we did not <laughs> need is for Brienne then to become like the sniveling wife outside her in her house coat being like Jamie don't leave me it's like yeah. no Brienne is stronger than that or oh, you have someone yeah. like Sansa who has been through all of these traumatic things and you know has like learned a lot along the way and become a stronger person because of it and there's one thing to say that and there's another thing to have what happens in the show where she's basically like well I'm like glad that I was raped because (laughs) I wouldn't be who I was now if I wasn't raped and it's like this is a nuanced nuanced subject and this isn't the way that you need to address this (laughs) yeah I mean should we just start going through each episode not summarizing but just talking about you know the journey of this season and (laughs) yeah let's do it where we are I mean, so episode one is called Winterfell, and this is sort of like, you know, the Avengers of of Game of Thrones, because it's finally getting everyone in the same room, and everyone's reunited, and Danny meets the, the good old fam, and it was just like an okay introduction. I mean, was it everything you wanted it to be? Well, you know, this is pretty standard, I think, for a first episode yeah. of a Game of Thrones season. It's like, remind us of where everybody is, what everybody was doing in the last season, and leave us on like somewhat of a cliffhanger-ish. I was upset, though, because this is only six episode season I was like really nothing happened in this and I thought if we only got six episodes like I need and we have all these characters and we're thinking okay lots of them are gonna die Mm -hmm. there's lots of action that needs to happen I don't understand why they didn't you know start out with you know something bigger going on in this first episode but nothing really happened but it's a fine episode not really much you can poke a hole at in general yeah I think people were mostly upset. They were like, are they just going to make Sansa and Danny be like, hate each other? Like, oh, why can't they be friends? <laughs> Little do we know how much worse it could get. But of course, episode two, uh, Night of the Seven Kingdoms, was honestly probably my favorite, even though I didn't have any reason to like care about it because it was just like a character piece. It was really just all these characters talking to each other the night before this battle is just touching base with everyone and they're just having all these really human moments. And I thought it was really beautifully done and the music was really great and everyone was having these cool conversations and that's when Brienne was knighted. Arya had sex for the first time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was a momentous occasion. Did you enjoy yeah. this? Because the fandom was sort of split on it, wasn't it? Well, I didn't really need Arya side boob. I could have <laughs> done without that. But uh, yeah, I think, again, the issue with this episode is in a traditional 10 episode season, mm-hmm. this is a great like episode three, episode four, like setting like midpoint episode right. where big things have happened, but you kind of need a lull, get all of the characters talking, you know, like the nighting scene was, was great. There's lots of cool, you know, like conversations especially because you have all these characters together again and lots of whom haven't seen each other in a long time or have never met it's cool to see all of 
of those dynamics. So again, I think this episode is fine. And at this point, I was like, we've burned two episodes, but whatever, at least they've been normal. (laughs) Then we come to episode three, The Long Night, where our first, I feel like, real problem besets us in the fact (laughs) that this episode is so dark that nobody can see it. Yeah. On top of the writing and the character issues that we sort of already talked about, this this season just had, like, there's so many problems with it. And they're different types of problems. And the fact that no one can watch this episode and see anything because right. it's so dark well, is you just a have huge your TV issue. Wrong. You have your TV settings all wrong. Oh, you just yeah. have to go oh, yeah. on your TV and change it to this and then do this and then it'll be so nice. But, oh, your TV, you didn't buy it yeah. this year. Oh, well, then <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just too old of a you TV. You don't deserve to see this episode. It was rough to see. And it was like still dusk here and the glare on the TV. We were just like, what's happening? And like looking at some of the shots now, like the dragons in the sky, like there were some really beautiful shots, but they were just totally wasted because I couldn't see any of them. Yeah, you couldn't see anything. I liked that Arya killed the Night King. I thought that was cool. And I exactly. liked that it happened early and not, and it wasn't the big bad of the season. I like that they say, are saving Cersei for the end. So at this point, I'm like, okay, did I love this episode? No. Did enough people die in this episode no No, i feel like there should have been more (laughs) there should have been way more and it was like i had just watched the battle of the bastards to like prepare because everyone was talking up this episode they're like oh this is the longest like fight sequence on a t on like a cinema in cinema history it's longer than helms deep man and i was like man i loved helms deep it was so emotional it was so powerful it was so cool i'm so stoked for this awesome battle scene And then it just was so ill-conceived. Like, I just had questions after questions about who was planning this attack and, like, why they did the things they did and how they wasted having these two dragons. Like, it was just, like, the worst battle plan anyone could have come up with. I feel like I know better and I have no reason to know better. But it's like, this is what I would have done. (laughs) Okay, first of all, you don't send your guys to attack the other guys. You wait for the bad guys to come to you. Rule number one. And then just light the light the trench like they'd planned to, just right off the bat, because why not? And then just have Danny and John just fly up and down, torching those zombies. You know what I mean? Like while they're stuck there. You could have gotten rid of a lot of them. And sure they would have come back to life when like the white knight like wakes them up or whatever, but they could have really gotten a head start, is what I'm saying. An issue with this season that I was talking with one of my colleagues at work about is that really there's like three huge uh, like superpowers that the good guys have that really make everything else completely moot. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason they have given them to these people. You have Bran who can like see the future and the past, Arya who can change her face and the and the dragons that can like burn up everything and nobody has anything that competes with that (laughs) and so in all of these episodes they have to come up with bizarre ways to kind of either like sideline these forces or not address them at all or have them be beat in ways that are that don't make any sense and so i think that they kind of set themselves up with this problem of having these like superpowers and then not being able to deal with them (laughs) because then it makes all of the characters in the show seem really stupid because they're not doing what any smart person who has watched five minutes of the show would do right and then the dothraki all died it seemed like but then they all show up in the next episode and same with the unsullied and it's like no one of real like everyone's always like man this show is not afraid to kill its stars like man rob stark am i right And I just was waiting for like someone to bite the dust that I knew as like a casual fan. But all of them are basically like B-list characters. Wouldn't you say that? I guess. Yeah. There was like. Theon and and Jorah are maybe the biggest characters that you would know. But yeah, again, not. And the ones who like Jorah's death and Melisandre's death, I think like were kind of interesting. But in general, they were. uh, Yeah. I I was expecting somebody big to go out in this episode because yeah. there's only three episodes left <laughs> after this. But no, that did not happen. And it wasn't even that long of a night. Like that battle was over pretty fast, you know, like it was still nighttime when it was ended. So it just felt sort of like, I don't know, a letdown, especially after season seven was all about how impossible this battle with the 
zombies would be and like it was all yeah. about this guy it was all about the what is it the white knight or the white walker the night the night, <laughs> the, king. night the night king and it's like i loved when aria killed him it was an amazing scene but it was also like wait is that it like is that that's all it amounted to like at least this right. whole season of like these white walkers being a problem and then it's all over without like any real strategy necessarily well there's a lot of in this season there's a lot of things that happen that don't that make all of the previous seasons have no payoff it's like we've been <laughs> yeah. spending seven seasons about these thinking about these white walkers and in the end what did they do they barely killed anybody they right. we had like two episodes of fight scenes with them nothing really happened we we could have gone the whole show without them and just focus on king's landing and it really yeah. wouldn't have changed the outcome at all Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's because it gets worse, too, which is the sad part, because then we move into episode four, which is the last of the Starks. And this is where they try to decide they make it a case that Danny might be might be losing her handle on the seven kingdoms. They start to sort of whisper about her. And of course, at this point, John knows he's actually the rightful heir. He tells his sisters Sansa decides to tell Tyrion. Tyrion tells Varys, and like everyone's whispering about it, and Danny is starting to feel cornered. And this episode, I was really not into. Did you enjoy any part of it? <laughs> I liked this episode fine. The f- yeah. it, the first part of it is basically like celebration that we ended the battle, <laughs> and then the second part of it is set up for the battle that's going to be in episode five. The thing that annoyed me most is that D- Daenerys has two dragons, and one of them is just shot out of the sky. The other one yes. can't seem to get its act together. They can't burn up the boats. And so these random boats owned by Euron Greyjoy basically destroy Daenerys' whole fleet and the dragons. So, or one of the dragons. So it's like the dragons were who, that were useless in episode three because they couldn't (laughs) fly around in the, in the mist and now are useless in episode four because they can easily be taken down with a couple crossbows from a boat. And yet we will see in episode five that one dragon (laughs) can destroy a whole fleet and all of the crossbows on the wall and a whole city and a whole army and a giant castle, like all at once. So it's just like things like that that don't make sense and are frustrating. And this is the same episode where we saw the infamous Starbucks cup that was left on the middle of the table, which, I mean, given there are a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows that we've allowed these sort of slip ups to happen. But when it's stacked on top of like this rushed hack job feeling thing, it just starts to feel like, did anyone like care? Like, where's the attention to detail? Like, what is happening right now that something like that can sneak in on this like major finale of a huge show? Well, and I thought, oh, it's just one thing. It's just Starbucks cup. But then in episode (laughs) six, there's a water bottle that's left behind something. So it's like, was it anybody checking this (laughs) material at all? Yeah, like who's drinking on set? Like, just give it a break. It's like when you turn in a paper at college <laughs> and you realize that you've, like, left a whole giant section yeah. of something weird in the middle of it because you didn't proofread it. Come yeah. back and add this story here. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's just sort of like, it was at this point that everyone was starting to be like, how is this going to end? Because they're clearly starting to paint Danny as the villain slash the crazy chick. And this is also when you get the line about Sansa being grateful she was murdered. And this is also the scene where you get Brienne crying over Jamie leaving her. And that mm-hmm. Jamie scene too, he like just does this 180 that has no like reason. He knew they were going to King's Landing. He knew they were going to kill Cersei. But for some reason, he just in the middle of the episode decides, wait, I want to go back with her. And he just leaves. And I was like, wasn't his whole like character arc that he was like growing past this toxic, bad relationship and like becoming more than his evil sister slash lover? Yeah, for real. In the books and in the TV show, you get this sense that Jamie is a bad person to begin with. He's terrible in the first episode. He pushes Bran yeah. out the window. <laughs> but that through spending time with Brienne, through spending time with Tyrion, through his own trials that he's going through, he kind of realizes that, like, yes, he still loves Cersei, but she's a horrible person, and he, like, (laughs) 
is going to have to stand up to her in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I can appreciate the eventual turn that he decides, you know what, I love her anyways, and I'm going to die with her. But I don't understand this fling with Brienne, which feels very much <laughs> like a let's do this because the fans yeah, want it and not a... Yeah. let's do it because this is in the book or makes any sense for either of these <laughs> characters. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what's annoying is it just totally, it was all about Jamie. Like, Brienne is just suddenly no longer a strong character because she slept with this dude. Now she's a lovesick, like, puppy dog, you know? And it's just, like, unfortunate that instead of, like, having her continue to matter to the story, she only functions as like a vehicle to like feel bad about Jamie's choices. You know what I mean? Like throughout the rest of the season, Brienne is not mentioned without Jamie, you know? Well, and their relationship is really cool in the earlier seasons because they mm-hmm. are these kind of like rivals who are also friends and learning from each other because Brienne is so hard and fast to the rules and Jamie is you know, a rule breaker and they kind of like learn from one another. And I think if you take out this scene where they're sleeping together and you just go (laughs) from the scene where Jamie knights Brienne and it's this emotional thing in episode two to then the scene at the end where, where Brienne is like writing in the book about Jamie and how (laughs) he was a good man. I think that makes a beautiful arc and total sense that there are these friends and you just have this weird scene in the middle that throws the entire thing (laughs) off. Yeah, it was weird. It was a bad episode for the women of of Game of Thrones, but nothing gets worse than the next episode. Yeah, this is the lowest rated episode, episode five, The Bells, the lowest rated episode of Game of Thrones ever. It's the one that really has the most outrage. And it comes from the fact that Daenerys, who... For seven seasons now, has been like fighting for the justice, fighting for justice, like fighting for the underdog, you know, freeing slaves. She's going from city to city. She like screws herself over in multiple ways based on the fact that she doesn't want to kill people. You know, it's like she could just like destroy these cities out in the East, but she doesn't because she doesn't want to kill them. She wants to free these slaves. And so she has multiple seasons where she's like dealing with this bureaucracy over there because she doesn't want to kill people. And then even in season seven, when she comes to King's Landing the first (laughs) time, she could have just gone in there, burned up the Red Keep, destroyed Cersei, and been done with it. But she purposely is like, no, I need to save the people. I need to go defend them against the White Walkers. Mm -hmm. I can't go in there and just kill everybody. And yet in this episode inexplicably she goes (laughs) off the deep end and just even after she's very easily won the war based on her super powered dragon she just decides not even to go burn the the red keep where cersei is but just just to fly around the village killing like women and children peasants yeah well it's not like totally and you know it was on the writing was on the wall matt like if you just paid attention to the seasons before you would have seen like how bloodthirsty she can be well and here's the thing with this is that i on a certain level agree with that like i think that probably in the books the way that George R. R. Martin set this up is that he he turns it so that the unlikable characters at the beginning of the season become more likable and the likable people at the beginning become more unlikable. And I can see her in the books and in the TV shows like going down this rabbit hole. But the problem right. is, is that you have to give her time to do that. If you had yeah. three seasons of her like slowly degrading in like a Walter White type fashion from Breaking Bad, then I think that makes sense. And it comes to such a cool ending when John has to kill her. But when you literally switch it midair on a dragon in the (laughs) second to last episode, everyone is like, what the F? Like, no. Well, it's just like, it's really lazy. And it just like reeks of misogyny because it is like, yeah, you can have imperfect women. You can have ruthless women. You can have evil women. But you can't just call them crazy and like move on from it. Like, it was just like... They spent like 30 seconds having like her, you know, Varys and Tyrion and everyone gossiping about maybe she's going a little too far, but they never give her a voice. They never let her talk. They always just have it end up being 
the way they paint it in this episode is she talks to John and she's like, I'm worried they won't love me. So I guess I just want them to fear me because they'd prefer you. And so it becomes all about this boy and her insecurities and her feeling like unwanted, undesired. And so now she's like, oh, I'm just going to take out my frustrations on these innocents, which doesn't make any sense. It has no strategic like impact for her like they were already they had bent the knee you know they she'd gotten what she wanted any it didn't add any value to her campaign or like her dream to kill them all because now she burnt down her own city like that's how illogical it was and it just served to like oh look how crazy this bitch is you know like oh my gosh she totally went off the deep end but it's like what made her snap like what really earned that sort of character switch because it it didn't feel earned it felt lazy and it felt like they just wanted john to be the hero again yeah and i could have seen if at the end of the previous episode like misande gets beheaded she gets on her dragon and in like a blind rage she flies around and kills a bunch of people and then like feel regrets it later but it's like too late and they feel like they need to kill her but this was like a weird like not premeditated enough but too premeditated to feel like a rage (laughs) and the fact that there's this line you know that's repeated in the books and in the series series that a targaryen it's like flip a coin they could be crazy they could be not (laughs) is not a good enough justification because we've seen her be not crazy for so long and she's like actively wanted to not be like her family right like isn't that her whole thing and like it seems weird that she suddenly switches and it's mostly because john won't like bone her anymore you know john won't marry her and so she's like she's feeling vulnerable or something and decides to just attack but then what's even worse is that they won't let us see her deal with it we won't we don't see her on the dragon ever again we never see her facial expression we don't get to see if she's happy to be burning these people if she's tortured about it if she's feeling like empowered by it it's just the rest of the episode is from the point of view of everyone else and so we just totally lose her to this like crazy twist you know when that and that i feel like brings us (laughs) to the last episode the Iron yeah. Throne, episode six, where John kills Daenerys, Drogon, the last dragon, flies off with Daenerys's body, and <laughs> and then something happens that we never get to see because they decide the best way to tell the story is a freaking time jump past the most interesting part of the series. Wait, what did you think was the most interesting part? I wanted to see. Missed? I wanted to see how John admitted to killing Danny. Did he go up to Grey Worm and like say it? Did Grey Worm figure it out? Like, I wanted to see Grey Worm react to knowing his queen just died. And why didn't they just immediately kill John? How did they decide to tell Sansa and get everyone to come back down to like have this meeting of the minds? And why was Grey Worm so willing to talk it out with him when? you know earlier in the episode he had been murdering knights for being like against the queen so it was just like the consequences of john's actions would have been so much more interesting than having this like really dry really boring pontificating about political issues that take place i don't know weeks or months after the fact that john killed the queen and also no one ever mentions that John was the rightful heir. So in reality, he was totally justified murdering the queen because he it was his throne, right? Like that could be his argument. And we don't get to see any of that because it just skips to Tyrion being like, you know what? I've worked this out, you guys, and you can trust me because I haven't made a wrong call all season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tyrion's made nothing but bad decisions for about the past four or five seasons. But he, it's weird, yeah, that it's like, John, you're going to have to go be commander of the night's watch because that's what gray worm said it's like was gray worm the king like what was he other than the bodyguard of the dead queen yeah and he's like we're we're keeping this city and then cut to black it's like hey we're leaving this city like you guys can have it like thanks but we'll be gone now and it's like what like what is happening like why did he let this council happen to like figure out john's fate he has the army that like 
you know, the Northmen aren't there anymore. Obviously, King's Landing is like destroyed. So the the Dothraki and the Unsullied, who've like multipled before our eyes throughout the last few episodes, they're in the power position. And yet he just lets this conversation happen, lets them all vote on a king for some reason, lets that king negotiate with him to the point of releasing John, releasing Tyrion. And then he just goes back to the islands. It was just like, it made no sense to me did it did you have a different perspective that i'm somehow missing no i i agree with all of that but i felt like that was not the most egregious thing that happens (laughs) because then they have this weird ceremony where they decide okay we're now going to like elect a king instead of just having one be born and it's and the person that we're electing is bran which makes (laughs) no sense and yet everybody gets on board with it very quickly other than sansa who's like you know what the north couldn't have bran stark as a king uh the north will only have me as a king because i am wait also a stark and yeah. but a woman so it feels like yeah. they would be less likely to agree to that right and it's like why wouldn't everyone else be like well then i want to break off yeah. i want to do my own thing <laughs> that's a good idea why have six kingdoms let's just each do our own thing and it just didn't make any sense it's also frustrating to me that we have this whole long series where it feels like, okay, all of these people are squabbling over the throne and the <laughs> issue is that there's this power and that we're fighting against it. And I felt like the end of the show was either going to be like Daenerys in control, but like breaking up the system somehow, or a world that has like been so destroyed by the dragons and the White Walkers and, and everything that they have to kind of like piece something new together right. and there's a hope for a better future be rising from the ashes. But instead, yeah. what we get is almost like the exact same thing that was in the beginning. It's the king who doesn't go to the meetings, it's the random people on the small council talking about brothels, it's nobody really caring about anything at all. Oh. Meanwhile, Arya's like sailing away. Jon Snow's back up at the wall. Like nothing, nothing really happens. And I don't know if that's like, if that was the point of the show of like the message is that humans are always the same. And even after all of these things happen, they're going to end up doing the same thing. If that was the message, they did not hit that in any (laughs) big way at the end. Yeah. Well, plus it was like, I could see what they were trying to do, which is that they're like, see, this has always been a story about the Starks. And now we're watching them go off in their lives and they're not together, but they're alive. And isn't that something? But it just like felt so unearned. And it was like, how dare Tyrion stand there and be like, guys, everyone loves a good story and no one has a better story than Bran. And it's like, (laughs) what? You're sitting next to a lady who can literally change faces so she can assassinate people. You're sitting next to a woman who's like survived every cruel rapist she's been encountered with and like has risen to the top and proven herself as a leader. And you're ignoring the fact that for the last two seasons you've been hinting at and then finally driving home that John is actually a Targaryen and he's the rightful heir to the throne. He was freaking brought back from the dead. He's survived the White Walkers. It's like there's a million cooler stories than freaking Albrand, the muffin, you know? It's just like, get uh, out of here with that nonsense. Yeah. For real. This season has been such a disappointment. And I guess let's just talk really quickly about kind of the legacy of the show moving forward. Because I do think that how a show ends affects the way that people look at it. Because that's the kind of the last thing that you have of it in your mouth. Like when people talk about Lost, yes, a lot of people talk about how much they love it. But I feel like an equal amount of times that it comes up in conversation it's like yeah that ending like they're like it's so strange they couldn't pull it off it was like something that people invested in and it turned out to be a mistake and i think the game of thrones might become that same kind of cultural thing where you have something like mad men or the sopranos that maybe had points along the way that weren't as strong but the endings were so interesting and so well done that people are like you know what when i 
I think of Mad Men, I think of it as like a perfect show. I forget those weird seasons in the middle and I think, okay, the beginning was great. The ending was great. There were great moments along the way. And Game of Thrones just is going to be forever weighed down by the fact that their last season was so bad that over a million people (laughs) asked HBO to remake it. Well, plus it's like you can point to a lot of continuity errors and like missed opportunities and forgotten symbols and stuff from different TV shows. But here it feels like Game of Thrones existed in this fantasy world where like it mattered that Bran was the three-eyed raven, but did it? Because it didn't matter in this season. It didn't matter that Jon was a Targaryen, even though that's a pretty important plot point. It didn't like matter that the Night King was doing all these crazy things like turning babies into into White Walkers. I don't know what that mattered. It was just like everything that you thought was like important and foretelling, foreshadowing, just wound up not really having a payoff that justified it. And so it was like, how did we spend an entire season last hinting at the fact that John was more than we thought? Having that be the driving force to Danny losing her mind and then never mention it in the series finale of the show. Like they never mention again that John is actually the rightful heir. And it was just like, it seems like looking back, knowing the end, does the rest of the series like, is it worth it? Because all those things that are hinted at, all those bigger things like him being resurrected, Arya being a face-swapping assassin, does it matter in the end? Like, it just feels sort of pointless. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, to go to Tyrion's point about, like, storytelling, I think that people, if they're watching a TV show and it's setting up all of these things, they want them to pay off, especially if it's something like a book series where you know that the end has been planned. And -hmm. part of the issue with something like Lost is that people get invested because they're setting all of these things up and mm-hmm. then it come to find out that really the writers were just setting things up and they had never had any idea right. how it was supposed to pay off. And I think that people are much more forgiving of something like Downton Abbey, which doesn't <laughs> make big swings in the last couple seasons and ends right. in a fairly standard way that you would predict. But at least you feel like the story makes sense and it right. does wrap up in a way that fits with what was there at the beginning, even if it's not, you know, super flashy or have a lot of plot twists in it. Yeah. And Game of Thrones felt like it was just trying so hard to do these plot twists and be finished quickly so that they could make this <laughs> Star Wars movie that they yeah. just like threw together a cobbled mess. So were you emotional over any of the deaths? I mean, because obviously we lose Jamie, we lose Cersei, we lose Danny. Honestly, my favorite character who died this season was Varys and I was so pissed off at how he <laughs> went in such a fashion that I really wasn't emotional. So yeah. I, I was more more emotional about deaths earlier in the series yeah. where it felt like there was more it was less of like a crazy free-for-all right. and more of like a poignant moment where somebody important actually died and there was like yeah. emotional stakes with it in the story yeah i thought i would be more emotional when john knifes danny i i felt sort of annoyed though by the end of it i was like how dare her story like come to this where she has she has no voice and she's betrayed by another dude who thinks he's doing the right thing, who thinks he's the hero. And it's like, no one ever bothered to talk to Danny really. Like even John questioning her about her motivations to break the will. It's like barely a conversation. He's like, you know, you committed genocide, right? And she's like, yeah, but um, I'm doing it for a better reason. He's like, okay, I guess I got to stab you in the gut. Like there's no like nuanced discussion. There's no one taking her aside. They're all talking around her about her, but she's given no voice in the finale of a show that's really been driven in a large part by her. And so it just felt like, it just felt like such a cheap death. And then, and then Dragon doesn't even kill John. Like I really wanted him to die. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have to be invested in something in order to care about it. And I think that this season has been so, bananas that you that people you can't help but just like sit 
there and shake your head and laugh at the end. You're not invested. It's like if yeah. if somebody comes into your house and starts breaking things, you're upset about it because like you're invested in those things. <laughs> They're yours. But if you go to like some random barn someplace and someone's like, I'm going to break down this wall. You're like, well, I don't care. Like this is just sort of a funny, weird thing now that you're doing because this isn't mine and I have no like stakes in this right. at all. Yeah. It's just sort of like sad. And yet, you know, there were a lot of cool, beautiful shots and like the music is still beautiful. And so there were like, there's a lot of artistry that went into the show that I think needs to be respected. And that's, I think, why I get sort of annoyed about this request to redo it because there were hundreds of people behind the scenes making the best of this story that two, it came down to two men choosing. And so they still did their best and like made an effort. And all these actors who have kind of like looking back at interviews where they're asked about this season are clearly not happy with it, but they like really tried their hardest. Tyrion, I mean, he was great. Danny really did. Amelia Clark really did some amazing scenes and work. And like, I still respect the show, even if the story this season just took a real nosedive. Yeah, I mean, the show has a lot of great moments and a lot of good work has been done on it. But I think it is I think it is very similar now to Lost and the fact that you have people who will be like, oh, I'm thinking about watching Lost and people will say, (laughs) oh, well, watch the first three seasons. After that, it goes downhill. It's like there's very few people, I think who are apologists for like, yes, Lost is a beautiful, complete package. And I think it's going to be the same with Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay, so now, later or never, would you recommend people start this show knowing the ending now? I mean, I I think that there's enough good stuff in the first six (laughs) seasons to say like, yes, you should watch this if you are interested in it. I I don't think that the last couple seasons detracts from that in a in a way that makes it unworthy of watching. But I would say, you know, I think there are better shows than this. You know, (laughs) this might have been like on the outside of my top 10 at some point. And I feel like now it's down like a little bit more middle of the pack. Whoa, that's too bad. Would I mean, would you? (laughs) (laughs) You don't even watch the whole thing yourself. So I haven't watched the whole thing. I would recommend Uh, You can get a taste of the show if that's all you want to be a part of the conversation. I can point you in some in directions of some articles and certain episodes that would really make you understand it without having to sit through it all. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, the early seasons really are so fantastic, though. It's just seasons like three, four, five are genius. It's just it's just the other stuff that's not as good. But (laughs) I have written up the winners and losers of this season. Let's hear it. Who's the winner? (laughs) Okay. The winners of this season are the Dothraki. (laughs) In the world of Game of Thrones, men and women die at an alarming rate. But they also seem to rise from the dead more often than the average Joe. Just because you were stabbed 15 times in the gullet doesn't mean you won't be making out with your cousin in just a few short weeks. But no one has looked better post-death than the Dothraki. In episode 3, the whole band was ridden off to their deaths as the first wave of an attack on the White Walkers. By all accounts, the Dothraki were no more. And yet, through some process of rebirth, regeneration, or hyper-timed sexual reproduction, by episode 6, they're back! Not ones to miss a Nazi-style pep rally in a courtyard laced with the ashy remains of roasted children, the Dothraki, and all of their horses, are there in a larger force than we've ever seen before. And for that, they're winners. Yes, honestly, I need to know what's going on there because they just like multiplied so quickly. (laughs) I read multiple articles after that episode, the battle episode, where granted you couldn't see anything. So maybe none of them did die that like uh, the Dothraki are no more. And yet there they were at the end. Yeah. In fact, it was sort of a it was seen as sort of racist, right? That they'd all just gone and died. Yes. Was the first line of defense. <laughs> so maybe they course corrected yeah. on that and said, uh, let's get some CGI horse riders in this. Yeah. <sighs> um, okay. The losers are actors whose characters didn't die before season seven. <laughs> Happy your character wasn't beheaded on a platform in Season 1 King's Landing or locked in a vault without food in Season 2 Karth. 
Think again. Sure, you may have gotten a paycheck for those extra episodes, but not dying early also means struggling through cringy dialogue and playing basically all new characters on a weekly basis. Sean Bean, Richard Madden, and Charles Dance are at home eating chips while you're crying in a nightgown on 12 million TV screens. Unlike Natalie Dormer, you didn't con the showrunners into melting you at your homosexual brother's trial by religious fanatics. And for that, you're a loser. That's true. Very well said. You know, you just, <laughs> I, I was so upset when Marjorie died in season six. And now I'm like, no, she did it perfectly. She died in the last episode of a good season. And then, you know, yeah, didn't have to be bothered. Done with her, you know, Ugh, I can totally only imagine the horrors. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I have some, we're doing this rapid round questionings. Yes. What would you, Matt, be most likely to leave on set? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, a, probably a Slurpee cup. <laughs> Very good. I would, I would, it would definitely be a donut from catering for me to like just half. Oh, yeah. Going back to between takes. Um, of the characters who were still left at the end of the show, who do you wish that they had killed off? John, hands down. Yeah. I just want him dead. So hard. Same, he was same, so crispy and whiny and like, I don't want to do this hard thing. I don't want to believe this genocidal maniac is actually this maniac. But whatever. He's alive, I guess. What was the uh, best death of the season for you? Of the season? Mm-hmm. Um... I'm going to go with the Night King being stabbed by Arya in that hand trick with the sword. What did you say? I should have said that now that I'm thinking about it. But I said the like little girl that got smashed by the giant. That was pretty brutal. Oh, yeah. That was also good. If you had to own one mythical creature as a pet, what would it be? Can I have a baby dragon that stays a baby dragon and sits on my shoulder forever? Um, Sure. <laughs> so cute. What about you? Um, I'll take the basilisk from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, please. <laughs> oh, any creature ever made. I don't even know. That widened the question way too much. I'll stick with the dragon. Okay, okay. so Kiss, Mary, Kill, Danny, Arya, and Sansa. Oh, gosh. Um... <laughs> no Arya's down to down to f you know (laughs) yeah i saw that though it wasn't particularly appealing um i think i am going to marry sansa kiss daenerys and kill Arya. oh poor Arya. i mean i love her but i she's not (laughs) not that kind of way not not romantic you know (laughs) if it was like who who do i want to go on a road trip with uh then it would be Arya. yeah (laughs) um this might be a typical question for you, but what would your house words be? You know how all of the houses have like their own little mottos? Um, I guess I would just steal it from Jurassic Park and it would just be life finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. What would yours be? Um, oh, okay. Am I just stealing a movie line? <laughs> um um, this is my house and I have to defend it. What is that from? That's from Home Alone. Oh, okay. Yeah. The voice kind of threw me off. I was, yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Can't really do child <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. It's difficult. Yeah. Okay. What is the best series finale you've ever watched? Your favorite series finale? Oh, that's so tricky. Um, Let me think about what shows do I love the finales of. Um, I mean, the Mad... Uh, oh, so The Sopranos. The Sopranos, oh, okay. for sure. That The yeah. diner, the way that it ends is so genius. Like, did he die? Didn't he? It's great. How about you? I loved The Americans finale. <laughs> oh, I never watched yeah. that show. Yeah. <laughs> I also really liked the finale of The Middle, which is a TV show that nobody really loved, but I think is great. Well, good. I'm glad it worked for you. And finally, who should have been on the Iron Throne at the end? I really wish it just would have been like a bloodbath and like the last Stark standing, which I think would have ended up being Sansa. Yeah. Not not Bran. 
Not, not Brandon. That wasn't Muffin, what you were rooting no. for him? Okay. No thanks. I do not find him interesting. I do not know what powers he has. He has proven to be the least useful character. I just can't stand him. Oh, honestly, Tyrion would have been a better king. He should have just nominated himself. Barely. Barely. Generous anyways. But that's it. That's the end of an era for you. I'm so... Well, I, I guess know. you still have a baby to look forward to possibly and 75 prequels so. oh yeah of course and they're setting Arya up to be like christopher columbus so maybe they'll do a spinoff <laughs> oh my gosh maybe Arya is christopher columbus the whole time <laughs> that's what it does take place in our universe that'd be crazy yes mm-hmm. plot twist it's so sad because it's the end of game of thrones but also we're not going to be back for another two weeks because i'm going on oh, vacation yeah. Your first international trip. Oh my right? gosh. I feel I mean I've been abroad before, but not like on a vacation vacation. Oh, so this will oh, be fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll be gone It'll for be two weeks. Yeah, well we'll see if while you're away I get bored and just throw out a rogue episode. <laughs> yeah. What you'll be up to. Yeah. I mean you were angry tweeting about a show that you barely have watched uh, yeah. all yesterday. So anything really could come up. <laughs> Yeah, but you can see those tweets and even more on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at PS You're Wrong. And of course, feel free to drop us an email at PS You're Wrong at Gmail or do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. We're PS You're Wrong <laughs> there too. Yes. That would be great. And I will miss you all so much, um, but not that much because I'll be having fun on vacation. And I'll see you guys in like three weeks. Bye. Bye.